Well, the Lord has given me a clear mandate for 2022. It's a twofold mandate. And the first has to do with the raising and the establishing in cornerstone of what is called in Scripture, the Tabernacle of David. Now, oftentimes when we think of the Tabernacle of David, we immediately think 24-7 prayer, but it is more than that. The Tabernacle of David was established by King David on Mount Zion, and it was everything. Now, listen to this. It was everything that God wanted in a spiritual house. And if we are truly Zion, and I know we are, then it follows that we need to pattern our ministry after what David did in this tabernacle. Now, it's interesting that when God wanted to use an adjective to describe his house or the activity that's in his house, the, the adjective that he used was prayer. He didn't say, my house shall be a house of teaching, and we all know that teaching is such an important part of who we are. He didn't say, my house shall be a house of good works, and we all agree that good works is an essential part of what we do. Neither did he say, my house shall be a house of praise, and nobody needs to remind us of the importance of praise. And as wonderful and as vital as all these things are, the principal activity that God desires in his house is the enterprise of prayer, because prayer not only connects us uh, to God, our impotence, to His omnipotence, it also enables us to see the will of God be done here on earth. And so for the next 11 months or so, I will be emphasizing the importance of this divine mandate to the church. And I want to strongly suggest to all the leaders not to try and pack the church calendar with too many programs and diminish what is our eternal call and purpose. So focus is really uh, very vital in this whole matter. Now, if we fight the battles that we aren't supposed to fight, then we will not have the strength to fight the battles that we are called to fight. And I'm not afraid of failure. I've said this many times before. I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at things that have got no eternal value. Now, I know that we might, uh, people might think that we're late in the game. We're not, all right? But we must start somewhere. Ancient Chinese proverb says, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Come on. The second best time is now, all right? So let's do it. We have a clear mandate, which means that we have the grace for it. And there's a lot to unpack about the tabernacle of David. But I'll just say one thing that I think is very important. In the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant, which represents God's glory, God's holiness, was hidden from the eyes of men. Now, whenever they traveled from one destination to another destination, they would cover the Ark. It would not be visible to the common men. And they would have no access to it either. Now, when they arrived at the destination, they would erect the tabernacle and then place the ark in the Holy of Holies where it was visible only to the high priest. Only once a year, he could enter on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And so the veil kept people from beholding the glory of God, but it also kept God boxed in. And when Jesus died on the cross, can you remember what was the first judicial act that God did? He yacked that, that curtain and he tore that that, that veil that separated him from the people from top to bottom. Now, you got to understand, this is what God desires. When God did that, it, it reveals something of the heart of God. He wants His people to draw near. He wants His people to behold His glory. That is the desire of God. That is what He wants. Amen. Now, when David erected the tabernacle, did you know that there was no veil in the tent? Because David had a revelation of what God wanted. He knew that God uh, desired uh, for the people to come here because he was a man after God's own heart. Come on, hallelujah. Now the common people, of course, now in this tabernacle could behold the glory of God, could behold the ark of his presence, but not only the common people, also the Gentiles were allowed 
into this tent. And that's why the Apostle James in Acts chapter 15 alludes to this passage in Amos chapter 9 about the tabernacle of David and talks about how the gospel will go out to the Gentiles as well. Man, this is mind-boggling. This is absolutely mind-boggling. And this is what I believe God is wanting for us. He wants to us to behold His glory. Come on. He wants His glory to be manifested to His people whose hearts are set to seek after Him. Now I'm predicting that for 2022, we're going to see a greater manifestation and tokens of His glory and of His presence I, I believe that's going to happen and we must believe God for that. Amen. Now, the second mandate that God's calling us to is to make room. Come on, make room for the Holy Spirit and to give him his rightful place in the church. Today, I seek to honor the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh. Hallelujah. I love that. The Ruach HaKodesh. I want to honor who he is, what he has done for us and what he is about to do. You know, everywhere I go, I see a diminishing of the power of God. I see a diminishing of the supernatural in the church and people seem to be ashamed of speaking in tongues. And it so often seems that we've put the Holy Spirit in some kind of a box. And um, from 2012, 2012 to 2019, if you remember, Cornerstone had the privilege of hosting six Kingdom Invasion conferences. And in 2019, we had the Kingdom Invasion Trilogy. Now, those conferences were very significant in the eyes of heaven. I believe that with all my heart. Because they brought something of the supernatural to the churches here in Singapore and also to Asia that were generally ignorant, distant, or maybe skeptical to the idea that God can still do miracles today. Now, God gave us the privilege. God gave us the honor to carry that fire, man. Come on. And I believe that we still carry the mandate. Cornerstone, I'm speaking to you. We still carry the mandate and mantle for the supernatural, for this nation, and for this part of the world. We have been divinely commissioned by God in this hour, and it's not something that we can delegate or relegate or take lightly. We cannot let up, slow down, or decelerate the assignment that has been given to us. As I was praying for the team and direction for 2022, I sensed the Holy Spirit drop uh, a, a 2022 verse in my heart. It's John chapter 20 and verse 22, where Jesus said to the disciples, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Now, I've been a Christian for many years, and one of the things I've come to realize is that many Christians have not been taught how to receive the Holy Spirit. That's a sad thing because without the Holy Spirit, we can never come into a place of true fruitfulness or kingdom fruitfulness. I want to prepare your hearts today to receive the Holy Ghost because this is not just a Vision Sunday message. This is an impartation as well. I believe that at the end of this meeting, we're going to pray and God, the Holy Spirit, is going to come and invade our hearts. Amen. So come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Hallelujah. Amen. It is going to be a year where we are going to see an acceleration and escalation of the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't like using cliches, but I'm telling you this, we ain't seen nothing yet. I'm very optimistic about 2022 and also 2023, by the way. I sense we're going to see physical tokens of His grace and glory. I believe that the invisible will make way for the visible. The audible will pave way for the distinguishable. And that which has been hidden will be made manifest. That which has been undiscernible will be made evident. And all flesh will see the glory of God. Come on, hallelujah. Now, when we think about the Holy Spirit, what is the first thing that often comes to our minds? What do you think? What's the first thing that comes to our minds when I say Holy Spirit? We often think power. 
And that is absolutely correct. Jesus told his disciples to tarry in Jerusalem and to wait till they were clothed with power from on high. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you shall, be, you shall receive the Holy Spirit and you shall receive power. Power, P-O-W-E-R, power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I remember when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1980. Man, it was a baptism of power. I never felt so much power surge through my, my, my body. And I, I felt like every cell in me was going to explode. And there was one moment in the whole experience, I actually thought I was not going to make it. I, I mean, there was such a surge of His power. And that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. Essentially, it is a baptism of power. And it's our anointing to function. Now, Jesus said, the works that I do, you will also do, and greater than these shall you do. My friends, do you really believe that? Or is this something that we just say over the pulpit? Do we really believe that? Do we believe that the day is coming, that all that Jesus did, we're going to do, and greater than the works that he did, we're going to do as well. You know, Jesus performed miracles. When he performed miracles, he wasn't demonstrating what God could do. He was demonstrating what God could do through a man. Come on, hallelujah. Because whatever he did, he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. Man, we've got to stop talking and we've got to start demonstrating the power. Hallelujah. And I tell you that the lack of power in the church alarms me. Because, you know, if I think about what I do each day, every single, almost every single encounter that I have with a person has to do with a power encounter. Think about that for a few moments. A call comes, somebody has got terminal cancer. You're praying for somebody who's got COVID. You're praying for somebody at the sick uh, deathbed. You're praying for somebody who's suicidal, somebody who's bound. And all of that has to do basically with power encounters. And oftentimes, you know, we feel powerless to assist, but God has not left us powerless. He's not left us in that circumstance, which is why He's given to us the Holy Ghost. Come on, hallelujah. Holy Spirit, come, hallelujah. But, you know, like everything else in the kingdom, the power that we receive at the baptism of the Holy Spirit must, must grow, right? Because the kingdom of God is not just present, it's also progressive. That's a powerful principle there. What we want is a full measure of the power of God. What we want is to grow into the full stature of Jesus and more than ever, my friends, we need His power. Come on, man. We need the power of God. Amen. But this power is directly connected to how much we are co-crucified with Jesus. That's the key. And that's not been taught in the church very often. In other words, to the degree that we're willing to surrender, to the degree that we're willing to die to ourselves, to that degree, God's power is able to somehow manifest in our lives. I don't understand fully the connection, but it's there, right? The fullness of our redemption is only experienced at the highest form when we overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. Come on. And so the more crucified we are, the greater the flow of power. And you know, the Holy Spirit is not just the baptizer uh, 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 of power. He's also the one that brings us or leads us to our crucifixion. And that's really an important thing because it, it, these things work uh, in tandem with one another. Now, if you confine the work of the Holy Spirit to just power, whether it's power to witness, power to cast out devils, power to perform signs and wonders, then we are somehow limiting His true ministry and His potential. He is all of that and so much more. Come on. So sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that He's just a presence, you know, and we say things like, ooh, I feel the presence of the, I feel the presence, I feel, I feel the power. And that's, that's not incorrect, um, but he's more than just a mere presence. He's a person. 
And we got to relate to him as a person just like we relate to Jesus. And I tell you this, my friends, I've discovered there's no one in the entire universe just like Jesus except the Holy Spirit. He's the exact replica of Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus told us that his, his disciples, that before he ascended to heaven, that he would send to us someone just like him. Come on. And I've discovered that the Holy Spirit is the most exuberant, most enthusiastic and creative personality. He is the spirit of life. He is our helper. He's the paracletos. He's the, the breath of God. He's the wind, the fire. He's the rain, the dove, the river, the oil. Yes, he's also the power of God. Amen. And if you think about this, you know, every symbol of the Holy Spirit has to do with fluidity, right? He is in perpetual motion. Now, only the Holy Spirit in us can live the life that Jesus lived. And that's why the Father promised Him to us and sent Him to us because He is the only one who can replicate the life of Jesus in us. You know, today, it's quite fashionable to be Pentecostal or charismatic. But 120 years ago, Pentecostal Christians were persecuted. They were abused, spat on, they were pelted with rotten eggs, called all kinds of names, holy uh, rollers, you know, derogatory names. And those early Pentecostals, man, they paid a price for it. And once again, I tell you this, we must wear that label with pride. Because <laughs> there's no longer an offense to the gospel because of the fact that we've so watered down the gospel that the New Testament uh, uh, early church preached. And I tell you this, my friends, I'm not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. I'm not, ashamed of the whole, I'm not ashamed of speaking in tongues. I'm not ashamed of the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the supernatural. And I'm certainly not ashamed that Jesus Christ saved me. And I will confess his name before men and before all people and say, Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Now let me close with this thought. The moment you believe on the Lord Jesus and receive him into your heart, you are saved. And you cannot get any more saved. Speaking in tongues doesn't save you. It has nothing to do with salvation. But when Jesus suffered and died on the cross and you accepted what he did for you, you are as saved as you will ever be. Then why do I need the Holy Spirit? Because there is an enemy out there that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy you and everything that you love and care about. And the only person who is stronger than him is the Holy Spirit in you. Hallelujah. Jesus himself said, he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. So you need more than rhetoric. You need more than platitudes. You need more than nice cliches or sweet little songs. You're going to need the power of the Holy Ghost, man. You're going to need the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, I have come that, to, that I may destroy the works of the devil. How did he do that? By the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. The thief comes not but to kill, steal, kill and destroy. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I'm telling you this. The devil's priority is to kill. Jesus' priority is to give you abundant life. And your priority is to know the difference and make the right choices in life. Come on. Cornerstone. Can we be an upper room company that will be a flesh point for revival? Because that is our mandate. That is our calling. There are many wonderful churches in the world. There are many wonderful programs. But I tell you, programs cannot open heaven. Only an upper room company can. Hallelujah. Now close with this amazing, important thought. That Do you know the cost that Jesus had to pay? To obtain to us the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Did you know how much he had to suffer? All that he went through so that he could go to the right hand of the Father and say, I'm claiming the promise that you made to me for my, my bride. I want the promise of the Father. Hallelujah. He died a horrific death in order that we might, he might secure for us the promise of the Father. And we must never forget this. 
We must never take this lightly. We must never take this for granted. Uh, and we must never insult the spirit of grace. And we cannot quench him or grieve him any longer. Cornerstone, this is the word for 2022. Whatever he says to us, let's obey him. We cannot ignore him any longer. We cannot treat him like a stranger. We cannot box him up. He must be Holy Spirit to the church. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, in so many churches today, we preach the Father, the Son, and the Holy Scriptures. And that is just not right, man. That is not just, that's just not right. As long as I'm the pastor of the church, we will never relegate to the, the Holy Spirit to some little corner in the church. And when we need Him, uh, we call upon Him. No, sir. He will always be at the forefront of what we are going to do here in Cornerstone. Not just for 2022, but henceforth. Hallelujah. So come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. I cannot end this session without telling you how to receive the Holy Spirit. In a few moments, we're going to be praying. And I don't want this just to be, um, well, that's, what's a word for us in the year? I want it to be an experience for you because wherever you are watching this, I'm telling you this, I believe with all my heart that the Holy Spirit can touch you, can, can so reveal Himself to you in such a dramatic way that it will transform your life. So watch for it. I believe as I'm speaking right now, there's going to be an impartation of the Holy Spirit. There are four things very quickly you need. Number one, desire. You must have desire. You must have desire. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit, by the way. If you are thirsty, if you have desire, you're in the right place. Hallelujah. The second thing is, you must repent. If there is sin, you must repent. And there must be obedience because Peter, standing up on the day of Pentecost, said, he gives the Holy Spirit to those who would obey him. Hallelujah. Amen. The third thing that you need is ask. You know, Jesus talking about the Father said, that if we ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, He will not give us something that is counterfeit. You know, a lot of people have that fear. What do you think your Heavenly Father is, man? That He would give you something else? Come on. He's a good Father. Amen. And if, you, if, if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, then how much more the Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Woo! I'm excited. I believe God's going to do something. And finally, believe. Amen. Believe and you will receive and all things are possible for them that believe it. I want you just to, for a few moments, close your eyes wherever you are watching this. And I want to pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Again, I want to say this. It takes more than platitudes. It takes more than nice cliches or sweet little songs. We need the Holy Spirit if we're going to overcome the enemy that is in the world today. Amen. We need to be empowered. We need to be uh, anointed with the Holy Ghost. Amen. So. Would you just join with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you promised your son Jesus that you would send the promise of the Father, the blessed Holy Spirit. I confess, Lord, I confess on behalf of the church, Lord, that there were many times that the Holy Spirit would do this in our church and would do that, but we were tired, we were either not listening, we were ignorant, Lord, that we were disobedient, and we ask that you forgive us, Lord. But we want the Holy Spirit to have His rightful place in Cornerstone and all our churches, God. The rightful place, Lord. We want the Holy Spirit to be in the forefront of what we're doing. And we pledge to you, God, that we will obey the voice of the Holy Spirit, no matter what it costs us, Lord. We want to obey the voice of the Holy Spirit, Lord. And so right now I stand here, Lord, before the whole of the Cornerstone family. And I say, Holy Spirit, come. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, come. Baptize us, Lord, those people that need a fresh baptism of power, Lord. Baptize them in the Holy Spirit. 
Spirit. Those people that need a touch of God right now. In the name of Jesus. Come on, reach out. By, by faith. You got to believe. You got to believe this and you got to receive it in Jesus' name. I want you, wherever you are standing up, just, just lift up your hands, man. Come on, lift up your hands. Be proactive and take a deep breath and say, Holy Spirit, come. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me. Fill me. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for the release of the fire. Hallelujah. What they prayed in the Welsh revival. Come, Holy Spirit, now for Jesus' sake. Hallelujah. Come, Holy Spirit, now. Come, Holy Spirit, now for Jesus' sake. Hallelujah. Send the wind, Lord. Send the fire. Send the rain. Send the Holy Ghost, Lord. And touch them with the power of God. Hallelujah. And so, Father, for the next 12 months, we will talk about the power of God. We will talk about the Holy Spirit. We will talk about healing and all the signs and wonders. Because I know that you're going to back your word, Lord. You're not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should repent. You've said it, you'll do it, you've spoken, and you will make it good. So we stand on the promises of God on these two wonderful mandates. Establishing the house of prayer, the tabernacle of David, Lord. And also, come Holy Spirit, we make room for you in Cornerstone. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.